and welcome. Um, today, I'm joined by a very, very special guest. Um, I am joined by Olivier Rowland. Um, I have the pleasure of knowing Olivier um, through um, Jeff Walker's Platinum Plus Mastermind, um, which I'm a member of for the last few years. And Olivier has stood out as a member of that elite mastermind since the very first day. And the reason why Olivier stands out is he asks some critically important questions and his main focus is about simplifying. His main focus is about prioritization. His main focus is getting the most out of everything that we have. It's, he's the ultimate 80-20. Um, Olivier has recently just published a book. Now, this is a bestseller in French. Um, he has got it republished for the English-speaking market, um, The Way of the Intelligent Rebel. And I'm going to let Olivier introduce himself in a second. But the main purpose of today is to talk about Olivier's book, to talk about the lessons that are in here, to talk about what we can apply out of his global best-selling the way of the intelligent rebel. So Olivier, do you maybe want to just start off by giving the audience a feel for who you are, where you came from, and why should they invest the time in listening to you right now? Hello, this well, first, thank you. It's a wonderful introduction. <laughs> uh, thank you for having me here. So yeah, um, as you can guess from my accent, I'm a French, uh, I'm a French guy. So I'm an entrepreneur, author, international speaker. Uh, and I like to say I'm a teacher of freedom. I share uh, to my audience how to be free, uh, mainly through entrepreneurship, but it can be with other means. And I basically teach how to create and grow a company that is in service of your life instead of your life being in service of your company. And also I have a, a part where I share like things how to be free in your mind, you know, uh, through personal development. Um, I, I stopped school at 18 to, to start my first company and it was a wonderful adventure. But like many, many entrepreneurs, I ended up, you know, working 60, 70 hours a week, which was great in the beginning because when you start your company, you don't care, right? You're just like, on fire. But after a few years, I was looking to have more balance in my life. You know, I was still very young, like maybe 24. And I realized, and it was a big shock for me, that this company that I created to be free was actually a gel I created for myself because I didn't see how to uh, sell it. I didn't see how I could uh, lower my uh, time in this company without, you know, uh, making it hard to be profitable. I couldn't see how to uh, delegate efficiently. I was very like, yeah, it, it, it was a, like a, a big problem for me. So I was like, wow, I, I couldn't even stop the company because as a, a, a company manager in France, I didn't have any rights, you know, for unemployment uh, payments and this kind of stuff. So I was like, wow, I cannot even stop it if I want. What, what do I do? Or, or if I do, I, I have no income at all. Uh, so I, 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 it was a shock for me and I, I, look for solutions for years and i i had to you know teach myself how to 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 be a better entrepreneur so i wouldn't be uh, the slave of my own business and so now that's one of the things i teach and one of the things i teach in the way of the intelligent rebel i i love that olivier about being a better entrepreneur so so 
we wake up and we decide we're going to be entrepreneurs. We decide we're going to be business owners. And sometimes we don't wake up and decide. It's just something that happens. We find ourselves in a situation where we're business owners. But, you know, that sometimes you see that, that funny um, meme or funny gif where, like, you know, entrepreneurs, the only people who choose to work 80 hours a week to avoid working in a 40-hour-a-week job. <laughs> but it, it, yes. it, can be like, it can be like building a jail. Yeah. Like, Olivier, in your experience, obviously you've got your journey and that's the way of the intelligent revel. But in the hundreds and thousands of people that you've worked with, can entrepreneurs truly, can any entrepreneur in any business build this freedom that you talk about? Well, theoretically, yes, but some industries are easier than others. But you can see like people who did that in every kind of business. Uh, even business that require a lot of, uh, you know, uh, time and maintenance and that, that are brick and mortar. Um, like if you look at, for example, um, McDonald's. McDonald's is a great story because it has basically two beginnings. The first was in the 1940s, uh, the McDonald's brothers started like just a burger restaurant, what well, was a very, very common business, but they had this insight, this genius of really, really like making it like very, very streamlined, very efficient. And they didn't, they didn't want to build an empire with it. They made a lot of money and they were very happy with that. And they just focus on their lifestyle. You know, uh, there is a, a movie, the founder about this. Um, and, uh, then Rick Rock, who was a milkshake machine salesman, you know, he, he, he stumbled upon this and he was like blown away, you know, and he saw the potential to build a worldwide empire with it. And of course, the McDonald's brothers saw it too, but they didn't want to do it. They were very happy with what they have. They made way more money than they could spend. And they were just, they just wanted to have a, a relaxed uh, lifestyle. So Ray Kroc basically bought the business to, from, from the brothers and made it an empire. So here we have a very common business that usually takes a lot of time from the people who work in it, burger restaurant, but with the right process, the right mindset, you, can't, you can make it like a lifestyle business. It's possible. Uh, but of course, some industries are easier for these than others. Uh, my industry is in the online education, and it's so much easier to, to do that because uh, when I do a video on my YouTube channel, it will be seen by thousands of people at least. And I mean, and it, it will continue years after years. Some videos I made 10 years ago are still seen uh, by hundreds of people every month. So here you have an example of one work I did years back that still pays dividend, that still bring uh, prospect and customers every day or almost every day. So on the internet, it's easier to build systems that work for you. Uh, and that are automated through software, algorithms, et cetera. Yeah, but I think the, I, I think the key, so certain business sectors, like obviously, Olivier, as you know, our audience is predominantly accountants. It's predominantly mm -hmm. accountants. But accountants are entrepreneurs. Accountants can follow. There's lots of things in the way of the intelligent rebel that absolutely applies to accountants. Accountants have kids. Accountants have clients. Accountants have prospective clients. So there's, there's lots of valuable stuff in here. But so wait, you mean that accountants are actually humans? Really? No, Olivier, we've heard we've heard <laughs> we've heard all the jokes before. We've heard all the jokes before. We won't we won't we won't stand for that or tolerate that here. But, but what you just said, like it's process mindset. Mm. But you also did point out 
that in the McDonald's story, it needed that little bit of inside genius. It needed the requirement to step back yes. and actually think about what are we doing. So it's what is the process? What what how can we how can we tweak our process to get a more yeah. intelligent result? Sure. I mean, the very basic process, and I learned it from a, a book called The E-Myth by Michael Gerber. It's, it's like easy. easy you no, know, it's not easy. It's simple and hard. You know, it's simple to do, but it's not so easy to do. It's just to, like you said, to step back and to understand that in order to have a real business, you need to work on your business and not in your business. Or at least you need to uh, spend a bit of time every day, week, on your business and not in. So what does it mean? Uh, when usually people, accountants, I think it's the same, but in most uh, industries anyway, people that start their company, who start their companies, they start from their technical skills. They are like, oh, I'm a good plumber. I'm gonna, I was an employee before, now I want to be to be my own boss. Oh, I'm a good accountant, so I'm, I'm gonna start my own company, which is great. But the problem is, you can be very, very good at what you do. It doesn't mean you're a good entrepreneur. It's a different, uh, different skills, you know? And you, you, the, the thing is you need to learn these. And the problem is most people are not really aware of these. They are maybe, uh, maybe a little bit aware, but not, not so much. You know, you need to be able to, uh, you know, do marketing, uh, how to recruit people, how to manage them. And I mean, a lot of different things. And also how to think uh, as, as your business, not as a job, but as a company that could live without you. That's the goal, that's the ideal. Uh, and so the difference between working in and on is like when you're, I don't know, when you're really doing something that someone else could do, like, I don't know, like calling uh, customers or prospect on the phone. In, instead of these, you could just like create a process that other people that you will recruit or even prospect, you know, like freelancers uh, could use to do what you are doing now. Uh, and the, the, there, there is a, a simple exercise you can do to uh, train yourself is to think of your business as the first business of, of, of a, a franchise, a franchise like McDonald's. Imagine that your business is the first restaurant of a McDonald's franchise, all right? Or the first business of an accounting franchise that will spread everywhere in your country and maybe in the world. Uh, for this model, for your model to, to be replicated everywhere, you need to know what, like, what are your processes, how your business works, what works, what doesn't work, and to document it basically. Uh, you know, uh, I always joke that uh, there was uh, an amazing invention in human history like thousands of years ago. Uh, it is uh, writing, you know, writing. Writing completely changed our civilization. Before writing, we could only uh, spread knowledge through uh, word of mouth and completely changed our civilization. But now most business owners, most entrepreneurs, what do they do? They spread the knowledge inside the companies through word of mouth. There is insufficient uh, processes to document uh, the knowledge uh, outside of the brain, you know. So it's it's a part of the process of working in your uh, on your company, not in your company, is to also uh, make sure the knowledge is not only in your head or in the head of your employees. Um, if you go as an entrepreneur, or business owner uh, in vacation, and people in your company have to call you often, maybe every day, something is wrong. 
it's because the knowledge they are seeking is only in your head and it shouldn't be it should be somewhere else in a wiki you know in a dropbox in a video uh, and it's so easy today to document uh, what you are doing. For example, every time you explain something on a computer, on a screen computer, to someone in your company, instead of just explaining, you explain, but also you record the screen on the Mac at the same time. Doesn't take much more time, right? You just click on Rec and you record it, and then you have a process. You have a video that records everything you said to explain the process to someone, but then the guy you explain to, you can replay the video. Uh, you can share the video to a new recruit, to someone who can replace the guy if, he, if he's sick or if he goes on holidays, et cetera, et cetera. So it's not so hard. You just need to think about it. And then with time, you will build like this library of knowledge, uh, of inside knowledge of, of your company. And it, it takes like, it will remove a lot of uh, problems and constraints and needs to contact you or other people in the company. That's so just one example of working uh, on your company and not in. You're, 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 you're resonating with, I, I know you, you're, you're not a specialist in the accountancy market or Olivier, no. but you're immediately resonating with our audience. Um, you've, you've referred to um, the founder and the McDonald's story, which is, a, which is something that I commonly talk about. You've talked about the EMIT. Every accountant, despite the fact the EMIT is now almost coming up on 35 years old, um, despite that fact, um, the EMIT is still a, a staple and then you're using the phrase, Olivier, of you've got to work on your business rather than work in it. So what, what, what do you say to me, right? When, when I'm faced with accountants every day who are going, but, but Des, there's just there's too many clients, there's too many deadlines, there's too many, there's too many problems. We've had coronavirus. I'm just running on the treadmill to stand still. How, does, how would you suggest somebody breaks that cycle because you were there in the old days like Olivier people might look at you and say oh well he's he's in the internet marketing world he's in information products that's different to where I am as a business owner and um, but you've been through this transition before you got to where you are now how can somebody start creating those gaps in terms of working on the business rather than in it if they're on a treadmill right now yeah, and I mean, it's it's very common problem. Like you, you, you don't have time to put in place the good processes. And the thing is, you will never get the gain time because of these. And before I was in internet marketing, I was I had a, an IT business, a brick and mortar IT business. So I know very well this kind of business too. You know. So this and was this was hourly charge, fi like fixed machine hourly charge stuff. So this is this is almost identical to our target market of accounts. Yes, and uh, so. You have a lot of ways to start, okay? Uh, the, the, the simplest way is just what, just what I shared before. Try to find things that don't require a lot of time. Like recording your screen when you explain something, it just takes five seconds. It's not going to break your week, you know? Uh, so, so just do that. And then suddenly, instead of having to re-explain these over and over again to new recruits, to people who forgot, etc., you have like a process, a video is a process, a documented process that people can uh, see at, at will, you know, uh, and you can build this library of, of processes. And you can even ask someone in your team to transform these videos into right-hand process. Uh, the, the thing, videos are great because you can, and I mean, today, so many tasks are done on a computer, you can basically document, maybe not all, not all the processes, but 
most of the processes because most of the things are done on the computer. So just record your screen. You have softwares for that uh, on, uh, on uh, Windows, for example, you have Camtasia. On macOS, you have um, ScreenFlow, I think, that can do that. So it's Loom. very cheap. Loom, exactly. Uh, so it's very, it's very simple. You just need to, to think uh, of it. And even if you are experiencing something that is not on a com in a computer like, like that is in real life, just use this new technology called a smartphone to record what you explain. At the same time, it just takes two seconds to start the video, seriously. And then again, you have a process. It's, it's so simple, but you need to think about it. And most entrepreneurs that don't think about it, you know? Uh, and uh, then, yeah, ask someone to, to, to transform it into a return process because the problem with the video, it's not uh, easy to scan, you know? So with the text, you can, you know, uh, search for a certain word in the text and, and find exactly what you want. Um, so I will start with that. And progressively, you will see you will gain some time. Uh, it depends also of your budget, of what are your resources. Uh, but of course, hiring people to help you is always a key to, uh, to start uh, to, to have a bit more time. But of course, it depends if you have the money or not. You know, it's always the same, uh, the same problem. But let's say you have a bit of budget. Uh, there are so many, so many uh, like people you, you could recruit. But uh, I don't know exactly what... Like what is the side size of the company of your your audience? You know, uh, but I will start with a, a first a general assistant, like a VA virtual assistant. You can even hire people from abroad. You know, Americans they work a lot with Filipinos, for example, because they have very good English. Of course, there is a problem of uh, the difference in time zone. You know, uh, you you can try to recruit English speaking people in Africa. And it's because they are cheaper, obviously. And don't think it's like a way to uh, exploit them. You know, it's like uh, you, you can give them incredible uh, working uh, condition that they, they will only be able to dream of in their country. Uh, they will, I mean, they will be able to work from home uh, with a decent salary uh, and uh, with decent hours and this, this kind of stuff. And they will love to work for you. And for you, it's, it's going to be cheaper. So it's one way, one thing you can do. You know, even if you don't don't have a high budget, you can try to recruit people. There is a platform called Upwork. You know where you can basically find millions of people from all around the world. Uh, so a general VA, uh, and you will start to give him or her uh, like, you know, basic repetitive stuff uh, that you are still doing today. Um, so I think it can the be thing that I like about what you said, Olivier, is I asked you, how do you start? And, and you immediately went to, well, here's the starting point. It's on processes. You immediately went to focus on the things that won't take much time. So start small. And, and basically your suggestion is video the process, possibly then get it transcribed using rev.com or Timmy and get it transcribed into a document, create a checklist. And yeah. th that this just becomes a way of life, that this is just Absolutely. It's something that you're doing all the time. And then as you build momentum, well, then your team around you can begin to take on this role. But you, 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 and you can also recruit new people. <laughs> and a lot o of Olivier, people, you know, Olivier, just, just, just give people an idea. Like yeah. you, you are somebody who experiences total freedom in your business. So you, you travel all around the world. You're not location specific. What does your team look like? Um, like, yeah. do you do you have a team, and how does your team operate, and 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 how does that work, in, in terms of you being the the poster boy of freedom and choice? 
Okay, so <laughs> that's thank you. That's, that's awesome. I'm the poster boy of freedom. I didn't, never thought of that. Uh, so yeah, uh, so my team is around 25 people. Uh, I have only freelancer. I don't have any employee. I live in Dubai. That's where my base is. But since 2010, I'm traveling six months a year. Well, in 2020, I, I travel a little bit less because of all the friction, right? Uh, but yeah, so I, I have total freedom. And my team, so... I have only freelancers. Some of them uh, work almost full-time. Some of them work part-time. So I don't know exactly what is the equivalent in uh, full-time people. You know what I mean? I will say around 15, maybe. Uh, so there are, I, I, my, my company is organized with a few principles. The first principle is it's asynchronous. Asynchronous, meaning it's not synchronous, right? Uh, for thousands of years, the only way to do business and any kind of project was to uh, work uh, uh, simultaneously, you know, like in, in synchronization, meaning you had to talk to people, basically. Today, it's not so mandatory. Uh, so what do I mean by asynchronous? It means in my company, direct conversations are actively discouraged. It doesn't mean it's forbidden, but it's discouraged. We don't want people to call other people. We don't want people to do meetings. We want people to communicate through project-based uh, software like Asana, that's, that's the one we use, or eventually emails. Um, and so the, there are a lot of benefits with that. First, uh, a lot of studies show that uh, most of the meetings are a waste of time. Um, you know, not all of them, but usually that's where people like Olivia, Olivia you're breaking my you're breaking my heart here by implying that <laughs> meetings are a waste of time I just I love going to meetings so much can we not have more meetings <laughs> well if you love it it's great but is it efficient it's not the same thing you know so it depends what are your priorities you know and uh, uh, don't get me wrong it's a great way to to do team building to build like a, a great atmosphere in your business but is it efficient that's not what the studies measure you know uh, it's not happiness it's efficiency uh, and most of like I, I had to check the numbers. They are in my book, you know. But I think 55% of top executives in the US admit that they are daydreaming during most of the meetings because the problem is most of the time they are just here because why not? But the, what people are talking about is not really their primary concern, you know. Um, so again, I'm not saying it's forbidden in my company. We do some meetings, but we try to really, really have it at the lowest uh, number possible. Um, also, uh, the, the thing, I mean, the, the th when you don't have like direct conversation, and I know what I'm, I'm sharing is a bit extreme. I'm not saying it's for everyone. I'm just showing like one of the possibilities that is possible with today's technology. So maybe it can open a little bit the horizon of some people, you know? Um, well, a lot of conversations are not so efficient also like in companies, you know, people are talking about, you know, daily stuff, you know? Uh, and in my company, it's really task-oriented, project-oriented. And the biggest benefit of this is what? Is we don't have any office, so it's like remote work, but there is something else. And it's not only remote work. It's also, we don't have any office hours and people can work at their own time. We don't care if someone wake up at 6 a.m. or at noon, it doesn't matter at all. So it's great because we can attract a wide range of people, you know? Uh, and they basically our schedule is very very flexible, and they can we can they can we can attract a lot of different people. Uh, and 
it's not for everyone also in the team because uh, some people need really like the structure that an office and office hours and someone being in the same room of Zen telling Zen what to do uh, provide. But you, with this kind of organization, you attract people who are autonomous, who lack freedom, who lack the freedom you give them. And um, the, another benefit is you can recruit everywhere in the world. It doesn't matter if the person is in the same time zone as you or not. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. Uh, for some people, for some jobs like calling customers and this kind of stuff, you have to be not too far away, you know, but maybe plus an, or minus three hours, which is already a big part of the world. You know, you can you have people in your team living in a lot of places already. And so my team is from, is from everywhere. My right time, Elizabeth, she lives in London. I have my uh, administrative assistant in France. I have a team of four people in Morocco, four people in Benin, which is a, a French-speaking African country. I have someone who is a digital nomad, so he travels all the time right now. He's in um, Myanmar. I think uh, I have people in Quebec, you know, in someone I, I work with sometimes in Tokyo, etc., etc. Et it doesn't matter. So it means, I mean... Until now, you could only recruit in a very small area around your, your company. And now, suddenly, the world, whole world is open to you. You can recruit everywhere. As long as the, the person speaks the same language as you, there is no barrier, you know? So, 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 so Olivia, you're, you're, you're touching on something that's quite painful for, for, for accountants right now. Um, as Ireland and the UK open back up, okay, and people are now coming back to offices, and... Um, Accounting firm owners are sitting there rubbing their hands saying, excellent, everybody's back in the office, we can go back to normal. And I, I'm not sure whether that's going to happen, but one of the resistances from accountants is it's extremely difficult to manage people remotely. Now, I've already had a huge insight into what you last said, because you said this is not for everyone. So this is not for everyone. So you need to attract people who are autonomous people. Yeah. But the big question... The big question, Olivier, you've got this team of 25 people all over the world. You, you've now got this asynchronous um, principle around which the business is built. We don't necessarily do meetings. We, we collaborate through project platforms like Asana, and that's where we communicate. How do you manage the individual inputs of team member number 22 and team member number 11 and team member number seven? How do you manage the outputs on something like that with such a broad, global, diverse, remote team? Well, first, my right arm, Elizabeth, she uh, recruit and manage some of the people for me, you know. Uh, so she's actually the one in contact with most of the team on my behalf. It doesn't mean that the team cannot reach to me, but they, they don't have any incentive to do it, you know. Uh, and also, nobody in my team has my phone number except Elizabeth, my right arm. And she basically never calls me. Anyway, I don't answer the phone. So uh, also there is no urgency in my business. I understand that in some industries you can have urgencies, but usually uh, urgencies, if you need to be called uh, and it happens often, it's not really urgencies. It means your processes are not, are not uh, good enough. You know, uh, If an urgency happens once in a while, it's fine. You know, It can happen to every business, uh, but yeah. Um, um, so, yeah, and like I said, with this model, you can attract, you attract naturally people who are autonomous, 
Okay, and to to come back to what you said about uh, the business owner that who wants to come back to normal, I, I'm saying it depends. You know, we both have a friend called Ricardo. You know him. Uh, he's a Portuguese entrepreneur, and I, I saw him in Portugal like uh, three weeks ago. Uh, and you know, before COVID, he was like uh, super uh, excited about expanding his office where he had around 20 people. He he, he paid an architect to to build like to, to do plans to to have an amazing office and i saw him three weeks ago and he said nah i'm just selling everything i'm going full remote you know so uh it was it's an amazing transformation because he's so within with his own eyes that actually doesn't provide in his mind so much value and of course everyone is different some people will say i prefer to have an office some people will say remote is the way uh but I think the COVID situation really opened the eyes of a lot of business owners on the fact that it's not so mandatory to have office and office anymore. It can be useful. It, it can be not so useful. Maybe you want to have an hybrid model where you give one day or two days um, a week uh, to your employees where, when they can uh, work remotely. Uh, and of, of course, I mean, uh, if you see that the, the output of people is less uh, when they work from, from home, something has to be done, you know, uh, you need maybe to do some training, maybe the, the people are not the right fit for this model, uh, and you tell them, so sorry, but you have to, to work at the office, so maybe it's an incentive for them to be more productive when they are at home, you know, uh, and also, uh, if you use Upwork, for example, uh, it's a great system. When the, the freelancer uh, starts to work from, for you, uh, you click on a button and uh, it's, it's an Upwork software, you know, and then uh, Upwork starts to, to, to monitor what it does, you know, and it's completely transparent, you know. So sometimes Upwork takes a screenshot. Uh, it also uh, monitors the keyboard activity, not what is typed, but if someone is typing on the keyboard or not, you know. Uh, and so you can see easily if uh, a freelancer is uh, billing you and is not working for you. Uh, and I think it's a great system because it builds trust is based on, you know, uh, some kind of verification at some point. And when you are in an office, you can often, it depends how it's organized, you know, especially, but you can see at what people are doing with a screen, you know, and if you see someone watching Netflix in your office, you're going to say something to him, right? Well, it's the same, it's the same principle here with Upwork. Okay. Okay. Tell us this, Olivier. So, so, so the book is just out. What yeah. is your favorite chapter in the book and why? Oh, that's a great question. You know, it's hard to, to choose like a part of a book you, you spent four years to write. Uh, but I would say actually uh, it's uh, the, the first part, the three principles to uh, have a successful life. Uh, I think the, trans the exact translation in English is the three vital principles to have a successful life. Because... Uh, I, I start with a quote from Emerson. I don't remember it exactly, but it's, it says more or less, there are millions and millions of methods, but very few principles. The men who choose a method without understanding the principles are doomed to fail. The men who understand the principles can choose their method efficiently. So I decided to start the book with three principles based on this quote to help the readers to choose their method efficiently. And the three principles are first, you know, there are a more efficient method in every field, everything. And I give a few examples that of like incredibly uh, uh, effective method that don't require a lot of time to learn, you know, and you, you can be, you, you can learn this kind of method in everything, like uh, how to make money, how to become a big, better entrepreneur or manager, how to, to make, how to be, 
to, to, to make love, you know, you can become a better lover just by learning a few tricks, everything, everything, really. And then um, uh, it's like the, the, the 2080 uh, principle, the 2080 principle that you mentioned at the beginning of the, of the video, like 20% of, uh, it's a principle where you spend 20% of your time, of your energy into something and it brings 80% of the, of the benefit. And uh, a very important principle is healthy skepticisms, because it's easy to like be doubtful about a miracle method. And it's completely normal, you know. But sometimes uh, some things that appear to be a miracle is actually just a good method or strategy that uh, is very common in an industry, but not in another. So it seems alien to you, but actually it's already uh, proven. Or uh, I, I love this quote from the American writer, um, uh, William Gibson. He says, uh, the future is already here. It's, not, it's just not totally spread out yet. You know, so sometimes you see a bubble from the future that uh, that goes on you, you know, and you don't know it because it's not really uh, well known yet, but it's going to be uh, the, the future standard you know, because it's more efficient. So how do you do to separate uh, the fake miracle method from the great good processes, strategy method, etc.? Well, it's not easy, but the, the principle I'm offering is healthy uh, skepticisms, meaning it's completely uh, normal to be skeptic, but you have basically two ways of being skeptic. You can be like, okay, I'm sure it's a scam. Uh, if it would work, everyone will know it, etc., etc. And then you do nothing. And then you have the, the good skepticism, which says, hey, okay, maybe it's a scam. Maybe I, I should have known it if it would be very, really that efficient. There is only one way to know is to test, to test, to test it if, to see if it works or not. Uh, so basically, you adopt a scientific mindset. Instead of rejecting the things outright, you're like, you, you're asking yourself, okay, what is the simplest experiment I can do to, to, to see if it works or not for me? And of course, you cannot try everything, you know, you cannot try everything. You also have to choose your battles. But overall, it's an amazing mindset to have. Yeah, I, lo I, I love that because it, it's like you truly live this. You truly embody the scientific mindset. Like you, I, I've watched you where you will argue a side of an argument and I'll be looking at you going, okay, but that doesn't make sense. But, but what you're doing is you're doing it from a scientific perspective and a scientific mindset. Yeah. Um, and, and the scientific mindset is, well, so this is, this is what's said over here. This is what's said over here. Well, let, let's, let's, let's try this and let's see what results we get that it's, it's, it, it loses the dogma. It very much feeds into yes. not just a scientific mindset. A scientific mindset for me automatically implies an open mindset, a growth mindset, um, and, and gives you a much, better, a much better likelihood of getting a positive result. And also it gives you a practical mindset because you want to put in place an experiment instead of just having an opinion, you know? And in, in the, in the uh, end, it, it makes a big, big, big difference. difference. Um, so, so Olivier's three principles. So this is the chapter of the way of the intelligent rebel. Um, the, uh, Olivier's favorite chapter, must read chapter for everybody, is his three principles. Number one is healthy skepticism. Number two is apply the Pareto 80-20 rule. And number three, there's always ways to be better. And, and, yeah. and if we just keep looking at 
little ways to be better. What do you and, think, and, Olivier? And, and I know this is you've you've had a long career, um, considering you started your first business at eighteen. But in your career as a business owner, and now in your career as a mentor, as an advisor, what are the biggest mistakes that you see? The three biggest mistakes that you see business owners making that that you address in here in the way of the intelligent rebel. Yeah, I mean, the first one is is the mistake I did for eight years as an entrepreneur, and it was, I think, the biggest mistake of my life, is, is basically to not read enough books, enough practical books, I have to add, because I I, I, I always uh, love to read, you know, but for from the age, so I started my company at 19. I dropped school at 18, but I worked one year on the project, you know. So from the age of 19 to yeah, 20, 27, you know, I was only reading fiction, which was actually, I didn't understand how missed opportunity, opportunities I had, you know. It, it's crazy because uh, I think there were two things. First, I was very arrogant because I, I was thinking, oh, I'm so smart. I started my business so young and don't need to learn anymore, which obviously is a very big mistake. And second, nobody told me, hey, there are interesting practical books you can read to actually become a better entrepreneur, you know? Uh, and it's so simple, but it's like most simple things. If you don't get the idea, you don't get the idea, you know? So uh, the first thing is like, yeah, try to read at least one quality business book and it can i mean practical book it can also be personal development it doesn't have to be business all the time uh, every month and if you if you read two good books a month it makes a big difference because t- in 10 years it will mean we'll have read 240 books and if they are high quality i mean imagine the difference it will make in your intellectual horizon in the skills you will, will have developed, in the maybe the people you, you will have met because you will have go to some events and this kind of stuff. You know, it, it's, the difference is just huge, massive, and it's not such a hard habit to to have. You know, but I see. I mean, in all uh, mastermind, a lot of people read, but a lot of entrepreneurs actually don't read enough, or they don't read at all uh, practical books. Maybe they read magazines or fiction, like I did before, but they don't do that. So that's the first mistake. Uh, the second mistake, I I, sh- I talked about it already, but it's to work too much in your company and not on your company. And it's a a trap that most entrepreneurs fell into. uh, And even when they are aware of it, it's easy to fall into it again. Uh, A a simple trick you can do now that you know the difference uh, between the two is to set up like maybe a reminder every hour or every 30 minutes on on your smartphone. And every time it rings, you're like, okay, uh, what did I do in the past 30 minutes or the past hour? Did I work on my company or in my company? So you become a little bit more aware of, um, of this. And yeah, I would say uh, the, third, the third mistake is like people tend to recruit too locally even today. And I understand, I mean, it has a lot of advantages too. You have people who are in the same culture as you, who understand you, where you can eat with, you know, it's great. But I will challenge uh, you, you know, to at least start to hire one guy uh, remotely, someone who doesn't live in your country and, and see how it goes. Because also it, it can be very interesting to have someone, um, yeah, with different working condition from a different culture. Uh, and you will see it's not so so hard to make it fit in uh, in the team. Okay, so just to summarize then, Olivier's, Olivier's top three mistakes is to start 
if you haven't already done so, by recruiting at least one person remote out of the country. Just start the process. Just get a feel for the process um, in terms of um, expanding your who hunting um, to less a uh, greater area than your local area. Number two was um, number two was to work um, on your business rather than in it. And Olivier is saying just re- really, really simple to, to, to look and to analyze your time and see, well, where did the last half hour go? Where did the last hour go? But to start tracking and keeping track of on versus in. Um, and Olivier's third recommendation, um, which is totally contradictory to my wife, um, because I'm now banned from buying books on Amazon, but his recommendation is a minimum of one book a, week, a month, but really getting to two quality books a month. Um, so... Obviously, this is the first one you should start with. Um, on Amazon, The Way of the Intelligent Rebel, um, there's the first book that you should start on um, for this month. Um, Olivier, mentors for you, okay? So you're a mentor to not just thousands of people, but you're a mentor to hundreds of thousands of people. People interact with your four blogs and they interact with your YouTube channel. You've got over half a million followers. You're interacting with people all the time. But can you share with us the mentor that has had the biggest impact on you personally? And what was it that that mentor taught you that had such an impact? Yeah, sure. So I said uh, that uh, when I realized uh, the business I created to be free was actually a jail, I looked for solution for like three years and I didn't find any that was satisfactory. And um, I stumbled upon a book that completely changed my life. And it's a four hour work week by Tim Ferriss. Um, and yeah, that's the book that started my journey to, to start a, an internet business. So I really own a lot to uh, Tim Ferriss and I quote the book quite often in my own book, you know, <laughs> so, uh, and the second one will be a uh, Jeff Walker. So that's, as you mentioned, we are both part of his mastermind because he invented basically what is the most powerful method to sell, to sell online. I tried a lot of things and this one is a, just the most efficient. Uh, it's called the product launch formula and it's how to, uh, you know, uh, sell products uh, online, especially online products, but it can be applied to everything um, efficiently. And just as a parenthesis, you know, uh, uh, a sideway conversation, but also uh, maybe for some of the people who are listening right now, uh, a way to uh, automate a business is also to transform your skills into a product. So what does it mean? It means, for example, if you are a good guitarist, instead of uh, making money by the hour by playing guitar, you'd create an online course to teach guitar and then uh, potentially you can sell it to thousands or tens of thousands of people without, without to have to do it, to, to, to play all the time. You know what I mean? It, it automates your, 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 your money. And then you can actually make money while you sleep. But it's just one way of having a business in service of your life. Yeah, I, I, I love that because there are some accountants around the world who have basically built online training businesses on the back of their skill from accountancy, bookkeeping, business advisory. And it's a very different way of earning a living, but it's absolutely a scalable way of earning a living because over here it's about inputs and outputs and, and, and tangible hours. Whereas when somebody moves to, if somebody was to move to from their standard accountancy deliverables into an information product business, it would it would change everything. Well, sure, it's yeah. and let's be honest, your mentor Jeff Walker, and um, Jeff Walker changed everything for me because 
I, I, was, I was doing the hourly rates. I was doing the hourly work. But when I discovered launches and product launch formula, it totally shifted, totally shifted my thinking. And um, so in terms of, you mentioned Tim Ferriss and the four-hour work week. Um, now, it's probably very difficult to pick one thing from Tim Ferriss. But if you were to pick one thing from Tim Ferriss, what was the aha moment, Olivier? And whether you, you knew it at the time or not, what was that aha moment that changed everything? Well, there is a piece, uh, uh, like a paragraph in the book that most people overlook, and I think it's actually the most important. Uh, Tim Ferriss says uh, most people uh, take productivity the wrong way. They learn productivity hacks and a method of organization that make them gain some time, you know, in the week. But he says the problem is not this. The problem is how do you fill the void, uh, meaning how you, not, you, how you are not bored when you don't work. So, for example, if you learn a new productivity technique that makes you gain, I don't know, like uh, two hours a week, you know, then you have two more hours in your week to do something. But if you don't know how you will use them, but by default, you will spend your time in front of your computer looking for things to do. That's what he called um, working for work sakes, you know? And you really, really, really want to avoid to work for work sakes. You, you want to, to work only if you need to, and you want to work efficiently. So he, he, it's very interesting. He says, actually, you need to think in reverse. You need to feel, uh, to find sorry, something that fills the void first. And then, you will be motivated to be productive because you will want time to, to do this activity. So basically, you, you want to find an activity. It doesn't say it with these words, but that's my rephrasing. You know, you want to find an activity that makes you can't wait to close your computer outside of work. And when you have these, you will be so motivated that you will learn how to be more productive. You will spend less time to do more or less useful things. You know, you will, you will be laser focused. You know, uh, for me, what I found that is exactly like this is traveling. That's why I travel so much. For me, it's a way, the way of filling the void. When I come, go to a new place, I want to do one billion things besides walking. I want to, you know, explore the place, meet the people, do activities, uh, eat the local food, etc., etc. So uh, when I work on my computer, I'm like, okay, what do I need to do? Now, uh, how I can do it the most efficient in the most efficient way so I can close my computer as fast as possible so I can explore this new place, you know? And for other people, it can be anything, you know? You can find something you are really passionate about uh, outside of work and it will make you, it's a bit paradoxical, but it will make you more efficient uh, at work. Yeah, so to have, have something to focus on, not just I'm going to be more efficient, not just I'm going to save two hours, it's but here's enough. what I'm actually going to do with my two yeah. hours and have what I'm going to do with the two hours so exciting that it's motivating in its own right. Yeah. I, I, I love that because I've, I've read, I, I'm not a student of Tim Ferriss to the same level as you are, but I have read the four-hour work week and I, 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 missed, I missed that piece. That's a, it's very common. I know. <laughs> I don't know why, you know, but for me, it's the one, when I read it, I was like, wow, you know. Okay, so Olivier, right? The way of the intelligent rebel. Our last wrap-up question. Yeah. What are the three nuggets of advice in here that you think this is why people should read the book? This is why people should buy the book. Sure. So we already share a lot of things <laughs> like this free principle, for example. But yeah, I think the first nugget 
is uh, to understand that with the right scientific mindset, you first, you uh, remove a lot of pressure because also a, a thing that prevents people to do experiments when they encounter a new uh, strategy or method is that they're afraid uh, to fail, they're afraid to fail publicly, they're afraid to you know, uh, be a bit ashamed uh, to have tried this new stuff, everyone will laugh at them. Well, if you adopt the scientific mindset, all of this pressure uh, just uh, go, you know, because you're like, yeah, um, it's just an experiment. If it is false, it's okay. It's an experiment. Who cares? You know, I just want to see if it works or not. And it's not only a way of uh, being and thinking, but it's also a way of communicating that will explain to the other that there is actually no uh, reason to laugh at all. Uh, and the second one is the first part of the book is actually a criticism of the education system. So maybe it's, it's, it will not resonate a lot with, uh, with the audience. I don't know. But um, because, I mean, as the title says, I wrote this book as a guide for intelligent rebels. Now, what is an intelligent rebel? Uh, it's basically someone who he, he can have he can have any age. You know, he can be like student or already uh, a successful entrepreneur. He can be very successful, like have a good diploma, a good job in a good company, a good car, a good house, a good family, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But deep inside, he feels like something is missing. He has a little voice saying, "Hey." Maybe there is another way for you to blossom, to be the best version of yourself. And usually what I found is uh, for the intelligent rebel to blossom, it needs to go through creation. So it can be an artistic creation, like writing a book or even a movie, you know, uh, or painting. Uh, it can be the creation of an adventure, like, okay, I'm going to do a world trip for one year uh, or maybe more accessible, uh, Jeff Walker share, share it like uh, recently, maybe you go on one sabbatical month, you know, like in the next 12 months, that's a good challenge already. You're, you're creating an adventure here, you know? And you also, it's a great way to incentive yourself to, to put in place good processes in your team so you're not gonna be cold, you know, uh, during this month. Uh, it can be also like creating your own business and the business that uh, will allow you to, to really blossom. Well, 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 my intelligent rebels, thank you for listening. You are still here, which means you are part of the 15%. The 10%, the 5%, maybe the 2% of people who manage to listen until the end. So you are part of the most motivated listeners. Thank you for this and congrats. Now, would you like to share the love about this podcast if you like it? If yes, feel free to leave a review on your favorite podcast platform like iTunes or Spotify. It will mean the world for me because it will motivate me to continue to create content to help you create your own adventure in life. And it will help spread the word and reach more intelligent rebels and help them also create their own adventure in life. Thank you in advance if you do it and see you soon. Bye-bye.